You don't sound autistic. Well, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And I don't have my notes. Oh, no. We'd like to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast on their preferred platform so you can be noticed of the... Damn it. <laughs> so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released. Also, be sure to join the Facebook... Fa- oh, my God. Facebook... I'm jumping ahead. I'm Facebook group. You sound like me. Facebook group. Join the group, join the conversation. That's uh, You Don't Sound Autistic, YDSA, or is it, damn it, is it YDSA, You Don't Sound Autistic? It's yeah, just look it up. One of those, you'll find it. We also like to welcome listeners from different countries <laughs> and all over the United States. And everyone new to the Facebook group, welcome. Um, I, uh, normally, I would mention the the uh, the website, you don't sound autistic.com, but I think we're pretty behind on that. Yep. Just like we're behind on episodes because we've only been recording like one episode a month, it feels like, in the last couple of episodes. But uh, we got a lot going on. We'll talk about that and more. But before we get to that, Rochelle has a spiel for our new listeners. You Don't Sound Autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast. Each week, we do our best to represent both neuro perspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multi-diagnosis through a multi-generational neurodivergent lens. We follow an open, unscripted conversational format that represents the real life back and forth of communication and collaboration. Even if you aren't raising the next generation, you'll find the comparison of the age groups helpful in seeing the more hidden patterns in the DNA of your lifestyle and lineage. Sounds like a good show. I know. Very needed. I think your... Did your hard drive disconnect? No. I heard a ding dong. That was the Amazon. That was Echo Show. Oh, okay. Sorry, people, folks. Got a lot. A little bit behind the magic there, but... This is, it's live. I, I, I refuse to edit these. That's true. Um, if you listen to the beginning episodes, they're edited to to bits. <clears throat> I cut out like as many ums and uhs and likes as I just said like. It drives me nuts. We've been watching uh, really crappy TV and everybody's saying like every other word. And I know a lot of people do that. So if you, if you're one of, uh, if you're one of them, then. It's okay. It's okay. But. <coughs> I find it annoying when I do it myself. Right. <coughs> well, it detracts from the quality of the conversation. You know, it's... I, but, you know... It's like annoying. <laughs> word recall can be a struggle when no, you're... That's a, that's a Dimitri Martin joke. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's like, my friend talks in a lot of synonyms. He's like annoying. <laughs> Fair point. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this week... Uh, we've, we've got quite a bit to catch up on. I think, um, I bet one of the things that I've been working on, as I mentioned in in the Facebook group is, a have been for the first time in a long time writing lyrics to one of the tracks that I made Mm -hmm. and, uh, depending on 
it might be at the end of this episode because I don't know. Um, it might be on a, on a future episode, but my plan is to finish the song because I, I have kind of limited time to work on it and then I've just been rewriting the uh, ending. Um, but it's kind of a, it's it's a romantic parody. It's good work. Is that, is that the best way to describe yeah, it? Yeah, it's a romantic, I mean, it's, it's very Blake. Like it's definitely you'll 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 know it's me because it's my voice. Well, yeah, but it it's also like your personality, and I like the way you're layering in kind of the way you think and the way you feel, and and then at the same time, like it's catchy, and I find myself singing it, you know, like I would, you know, a TS song, and so who's TS? Elliot, Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Maybe I'll get a Grammy. <laughs> well, I mean, I think music has always been a gift of yours. Um, it was sort of not ever a priority because your video and your audio editing was always kind of more front and center. But you've always had this music. Ma- I mean, I, people don't know this, but um, when we first started dating, you were recording a lot of music before you moved in with me. So like, what was that? The first two months? Yeah. And then you created some ringtones for me. So like you were my ringtone on my phone for a long time. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't even know where a lot of those songs ended up. Like they're, oh, bi- that's a shame. They're on a hard drive somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Cause there's, uh, some that I, I couldn't even play cause they're so like, because the world is so woke now. Right. Cause I make some, I just, I have a sense of humor and that's not going to change. Right. You know what I will say um, is that a lot of people that I actually talk to, like you, you read, you read stuff in the news and, and um, on social media about perspective that people have. Mm -hmm. And the people that I actually talk to like at work and stuff, I don't feel like anybody really, really shares the, the woke sentiment because I hear people saying really inappropriate stuff. Your office is a, or your, your group is a little bit different. Mine spends a lot of time talking about it. I've got about half of the people that I work with are all, we're all really um, awake, I guess you call it. And the rest of them are not woke. woke. Yeah. So it just depends on, but a lot of the individuals that I'm spending more of my time having those conversations with or on it English they're honestly a little bit younger yeah the people that I'm I work with are younger really most of them they're all in their early 20s well and I you know honestly except for the older dude and we'll get to that because I got to tell you that's a different thing yeah I have family members that are older I mean I don't think age has anything to do with it I think it's where you are in your personal journey I think it depends on how much you're willing to look at yourself. Self-reflection is a very difficult skill. It's not one that we've taught. However, um, I do see a stronger amount of people who are, (coughs) I guess, waking up to all the different things that we have accepted blindly over the generations in our community because we, we have some very specific reasons to look at ourselves and reject the reality we were raised in because it didn't reflect who we were. And we've had to take that journey on our own, oftentimes quite painfully, which you can speak to more than myself. I mean, as a partner, I can. 
and my own journey, but it hasn't been the same as yours. And none of our journeys are identical. They're all traumatic in different ways, but they all include the skill of looking at yourself and honestly saying, I belong here or I don't belong there. I belong with this feeling. I don't belong with that. And making some critical decisions for yourself based on what feels good for you versus what doesn't. And that skill right there and that process right there, I think is the difference because you could be, I think the concept of woke up could be applied to several things, right? Nobody says woke. You sound so old. I don't know. You know know the concept of waking up. uh, It's, it's, you're supposed to say woke, not woke up. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I'm just telling you, that's what the kids are saying. I don't hang. I don't hang around a ton of kids. <laughs> I hang around all therapists. You hang out with a four-year-old. He's going to be woke soon enough. Yeah. Well, my goal is to raise him that way, not you know, all right. p- put him to sleep and then make him go through the same process we just went through. That just seems asinine. No, but it's true. It's about self anal It doesn't matter how or what. I mean, it could be about the quality of the food. It could be about how much sleep we need. It could be about what we consider to be, you know, medicine or what we consider to be healing or, you know, the types of emotions that you want to feel or that, you know, how you spend your time. All of these little things add up to the bigger picture of are you living a life that works better for you or are you work- are you living a life that we were told to live because it benefits someone else, I think. It's kind of what it boils down to. And, and in our community, we're turning around going, no, I need to live the life that works the best for me, for who I am. And for and who I am is based on who I want to be, not who anyone else wants me to be. Didn't you say something earlier about something I could speak to, but then you just kept talking? <laughs> you brought it up. Um, okay. I'm just saying. There was something you were like, oh, and you can speak to this. And then you talked for five more minutes. Oh, I was telling about the, the, I said, you could speak more to the trauma of experiencing this self-analytic process because you're the one with, you have more diagnosis, like you've uncovered more stones and you have more diagnostic background in terms of who you were then versus who you are now. I, st- I still don't, can you say that in plain, plain English? Four years ago, we didn't know you had autism. ADHD, anxiety, and depression. We guessed the anxiety and depression. We had an idea about ADHD, but we weren't sure. We were clueless about autism. I'm dyslexic. I'm empathic, but that is not the same. I've always known those things. Thank you like, for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm, 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 empath- I'm empathic and I'm dyslexic, and I've known that for a very long time. So I didn't go through the same journey of like, I'm what? Like, the show is called You Don't Sound Autistic, but you do sound dyslexic. <laughs> I do. It's shocking. Now, that part I didn't know until we started recording how dyslexic I actually sound. I always just thought, oh, why can't I pull my words out? Like, why am I struggling to say you what You got to loosen I'm... those lips. <laughs> well, it's, it's getting my mind to work in concert with what I'm thinking and keeping... It's it just, it's difficult sometimes to hold the words in my mind. So this is, as soon as my mind goes ahead to plan the next sentence, my mouth just says it. Is that why it just keeps going until I have to interrupt and then you're like, I'm talking. Yeah, probably. Cause my brain still thinks I'm on the last sentence. Oh, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's been a, it's been a long month. Um, we have been through, gosh, it seems like so much and we're not, we didn't even talk a lot about what was happening in November and December. 
Yeah, I wanted to talk about Homeboy from work, though. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because, so, uh, so as 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 you all know, if you're keeping up, um, I got a job at a grocery store, so they hired a new guy, and so I was working in an aisle stocking shelves, and the assistant grocery manager comes around the corner and is like, "Oh, here, this is this person." and um uh, an older dude and i start working with him and within 20 minutes i'm just like i don't know how this guy got a job anywhere let alone here and i'll give you an example of something that he did and and the reason i'm mentioning this is because um like one of the guys at work <clears throat> was like i wonder if he's autistic or something oh interesting how'd you handle okay Go and ahead. i well the way I handled I was like, that's funny, but autistic people are actually smart. Right. This is, yeah. And based on what you're describing, this doesn't sound like autism. I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but. This sounds like a pretty severe working memory issue, which could be a number of things. Yeah. Or he's just a dumbass. Why can't we just accept that? Anyway. So um, I'm going to try and illustrate this in the best possible way because I've explained it to a few people a few times, including um, the assistant manager. Uh the assistant grocery manager trying to be like, um, I don't want to be a pain, but this is something that is a like serious concern. And there's been several instances of these things. One being that, um, they have these four packs of soup, you know, four cans of soup. And so they're, but the way that the soup is organized on the shelf is not necessarily all together. And so there was tomato soup, four packs of tomato soup. And I see, this new guy putting four packs of cream of mushroom behind that because they train us, you know, like to, you're supposed to, if you can, put the the new product behind yep. the product be so that, you know, uh, first in, first out type of rule. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, oh, no, you're actually putting cream of mushroom behind the tomato soup there. You want to put the cream of mushroom with the cream of mushroom soup. And he goes, oh, okay. And he takes... What's in the front, which is tomato soup, and pulls it out and puts it into the case with the rest of, you know, like uh, the cream of mushroom soup. And I, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you, li- you you just put the, the tomato soup in with the cream of mushroom. You want to put the cream of mushroom with that and put the tomato back. And then he reaches into the case that he just put the tomato soup cans in and pulls out a tomato soup can, like the four pack, and looks at me. And he's like, but this is tomato soup i was like right you you dude you literally just put it in the case i was like i had to walk away because like at at that point i'm like how do you explain it i mean there were there are so many little like the oh i don't know if i told you this one so i opened a bag um they have these four packs like larger packs of dog food okay or like cat food or whatever and so they're like three pound bags of cat food and they're all combined together, like three or four of those bags. Like shrink wrapped? Yeah. Okay. So I cut into the plastic and I noticed that one of the bags, not because of me, but one of the bags, I, I, well, I didn't notice until I pulled it out. I pull out a few, like three of the bags and I set them on the shelf. Everything's fine. I pull out the, like the fourth bag or whatever and it starts spilling cat food all over the me and my my apron and and on the on the floor. Oh, I haven't heard this. And there's a huge gash from oh, top to tail on the bag. No way. And this dude is the same guy. He's standing there and he goes as the as the cat food is like running down my leg and it's dry cat food. He's just 
standing there and he looks at the ground, he looks at the bag, he looks at me and he goes, is it torn? <laughs> I was like, I hope so. <laughs> um, that would explain the mess. And I mean, literally, those are the kinds of things that like he was standing there and we were looking at because I, I ended up having to work an aisle with him several times over the last couple of weeks. And he's, um, he was saying that, uh, he was like, there's sure a lot of types of cat food. And I'm like, yeah. And he was, how do you, how do you find them all? I was like, you just look at the label on the can that you have. And then you look at the label on the cans that are in front of you and you match the labels together. And he's like, and then he starts reading the cat food can like he just every time he pulls something out, he has to like announce what it is. Soup, huh? What do we got here? Italian wedding. Italian. I don't think I've ever had Italian wedding. Hmm. And then he wanders around <laughs> for five minutes trying to find the Italian wedding soup, which is like right in front of him. And then there are times when he puts things on the shelf in the wrong spot. And so like one of the other guys that works there was uh, I know I'm rambling at this point, but I just I just need to tell somebody. Um, and I haven't told enough people. So one of the other guys that works there was just like, he should not be working by himself because he's putting things in the wrong spot. He's confused. Like he refuses to take his lunch break. We start at five in the morning and we work till two. So one of the day, like one of the first couple of days uh, that I worked with him, you know, it'd be like toward the end of, or like in the middle of the day. And he's like, so uh, when are we, uh, when are we done? And I was like, we're done when you know, our shift is over. He goes, and about time, what time is that? And I was like, well, when are you scheduled till? He's like, when are you scheduled till? I said, I'm here till two. And he goes, well, that sounds good. <laughs> I'm like, no, that you don't, that, you, you, you don't get to pick your schedule right now. Right. And so he was like, that's the, the and so I, everyone now has worked with him. Everybody is like, how does this guy work here? And because of, I don't know if it's company culture or if it's laws, because I can't imagine if you have a company that has, you know, a 90 day probation period, then you should be able to fire someone for whatever reason. Unless there's a known disability. How is there a known disability? Being stupid is not a disability. It is a inconvenience to everyone around you. Okay. You, so you, you, he has a known disability? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Why are you defending this guy? I'm not defending. He's making my life miserable. I know that. And then therefore mine. Because I have to, they keep saying I don't have to work with him. And then all of a sudden he sneaks around the corner like Jeffrey Dahmer. And he's right there asking me what I've got. What are we doing today? Working, dude. Go back to work. Like, stop talking to me. Uh, oh, and the other thing, this is the, the, the main crux of the whole thing. Um, or what it, it, the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing is that, uh, now he's like touching me, which I really don't like. And I'm assuming that maybe I'm assuming that a lot of people that are listening maybe feel the same way I do, which is I don't like people touching me. You know, like if it's my, if it's like a loved one or something, then that's a different story. But to me, this guy is a stranger and he's coming up to me and he keeps like, patting me on the back mm. like i'm like you know and and so i finally talked to the assistant manager again and i was like hey 
um, you know, he keeps doing this and she's like, Oh, just tell him. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you don't know how hard it is for me to walk up to someone. Like I want to preempt him touching me ever again and just tell him like, if you ever touch me again, I'm going to punch you in the face. That, I mean, I imagine that to be very difficult. Um, especially because that is, I mean, it's triggering for you on multiple levels, right? It's triggering for you to physically be touched. Then it's triggering. How are you even going to respond? Like, how do you, what do you say? And then do you go report it? I mean, that just would have cascaded. Well, they were like, oh, just next time he does that, just say, um, you know, I'm I'm sure you don't mean anything by it, but I really would appreciate it if you didn't, you know, pat my shoulder or touch me or whatever. And it sounded like as I was trying to explain it, I was like, I feel so catty, but I also know myself and, you know, I need to be, what's the word I'm looking for? My own advocate. Right. And yes. How are you doing with that? He touched me again yesterday and I didn't say anything. Yeah, but that... He did it in front of like customers. And so, because I was like, all right, I'll see you guys later. And he goes, all right, have a good one. And he pats me on the shoulder again. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? Don't touch me. Like, I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. So I'm walking away. I'm like, damn it. Like, why the fuck does this guy think that this is okay? Well... How what? How old is he? Like he's got to be sixty something. Okay, well, I mean, the part of that was just he has how... two thirty-year-old sons and a grandchild. Yeah, well, I'm assuming he's not fifty. There was a lot of you know he looks older. Casual in what's it called? Like innocuous physical touch as part of the social mannerism. I mean, we have we have listeners that are that understand that generation way better than I do. I mean, I just understand that when I was coming up through business. There was the first 10 or 15 years of my career where people would walk up behind you and touch you on the shoulder, and now no one touches anybody. Yeah, I like so, that. I don't like being touched. I would I would like to hear from some of the from some of our listeners that understand this. Yeah, if you would chime better. in on the Facebook group about this, that'd be great. Just I to believe get a conversation started because I'm curious to see what people think. You know, how do you do with, you know, because it it can be part it, it it is part of a certain type of social interaction. For people to touch you. Um, you know, and it's funny because you would, you know, I'm very affectionate and I'm a hugger and and all that, but I don't want to hug this dude. No, and in a social setting, you shouldn't have to anymore. But again, remember, we've talked about how social programming, especially for anyone with a mirroring component to their learning style. I don't know what this guy's deal is, but we'll just call it that so we're not getting into anything else. Has a way of picking up certain social patterns when they're younger and then not updating them as they get older. So if the world of social greetings has changed and physical touch has been removed, he's probably not bothered to rerun the program and realize that that's changed. It's very, very common because he's constantly mirroring what once he set it in to his brain years ago, like that file just runs automatically. He's just not noticing it. So you'd have to. Or he to, just doesn't care. Well, well, I mean, at that point. Or he's just oblivious, which I think is what he I is. I think it's more oblivious, which is why self-advocacy is so important because he'll never understand that you're uncomfortable and he won't read that you're uncomfortable. You're going to have to say it and really get like change the pattern between you two, because if he's running on autopilot, then not only is he oblivious to you, he's not he's not focused on changing it. There's no you know, unfortunately, we talk a lot about um, fight or flight or defense mode, and there's a purpose for it sometimes. 
that is helpful because when um, there are times where we don't learn something new unless there's a little bit of a scare, like there's a little bit of a reason to go, oh, okay, you know, like that. I didn't like the way that felt. Let me change what I'm doing. So, I'm just going to give him a fit B next time I see him. <laughs> That'll okay. do it. That'll change his attitude. That'll brighten him up a little bit. Let's spruce up this relationship. What do you think about that? That sounds great. All right. Enough about that douchebag. No, I think your hand, I think, I don't think it's about, I mean, always vent and express what you're experiencing. That's always valid. But at the same time, it's important to share your experiences because how you're managing them and processing them is one of the things that we like to talk about because no one can predict, like I would not be able to say how I think you would handle a situation because I don't know what it's like to be or feel in your, you know, what it's like to be in your body. So it's helpful that you share. I bet more people can relate to having those feelings, especially in a work setting where you feel like you're being evaluated for being a team player and how cooperative you are and your personality, you know, and your productivity and all of those things are put into question when you're standing side by side with someone who has a very completely different work style um, and their work quality compromises your ability to get something done. I mean... See, a lot of times my problem is that as is, is easygoing as I sound, um, I, I try to let things kind of slide off my back. And so I, at, after the first time he did that, I was like, okay trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's like, he probably won't do that again. <laughs> and it reminded me of when I was in high school, there was this guy who um, everybody was afraid of him. Because he, the story was that he had brought a gun to school at his previous school and was expelled. And a girl in one of my classes, I remember sitting there and she, uh, he was, I don't know, he was saying something and she kind of like got in his face. I was like, yeah, then why'd you get kicked out of your school? And he's like, I brought a gun, but I forgot the bullets. Like he said it like really creepily. So everyone was like, oh, this guy's creepy, mm. obviously. Right. That would scare me. And so he was always hugging girls, including my girlfriend at the time. Okay. And so he, and so I just kind of like let it slide. And then that's the problem is that I can't go from let it slide to, hi, I want to apologize before saying this, but. You're, you're, you're being inappropriate. And so like I walked up to him and I was like, hey, if you ever touch my girlfriend again, I'm going to fucking kill you. Right. And then after, for whatever reason, after that, like he did stop and he would be like, hey, Blake, like he was always like trying to be my buddy. <laughs> it's interesting. It, it, it almost sounds like there's a testing of boundaries. It's a very childlike thing to do, but we do it constantly. We're always testing our boundaries with everything, especially when there's some sort of authority or. Did you just call me childlike? I said testing boundaries is childlike. Who, who, but I'm testing boundaries? Or no, he the is? guy was testing his boundaries. And then you put a boundary down, which is what, you know, every, um, how do I say this? That's what structure does. Structure puts the boundary down. Sometimes that's parenting. Sometimes that's whatever. But you walked up and you go, that's not okay. And I'm putting a boundary here. And he was like, oh, yeah, thanks. Because really, we love to test boundaries. But most people actually feel better when they know where the structures are they know where the they know where they where the line is. where the line is thank you english yes it's taking you a really long time to get to the line it, it did that time i know Above. i know that was hard yeah <laughs> so anyway 
I uh, I've been dealing with that at work, and so every t- every time I see the guy, I'm just like, fuck me. Um, because I don't want to have to deal with it. And everyone else that's worked there, like, you know, people have their issues and, and whatnot. But for the most part, I feel like I get along with, with everyone pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I try to stay out of the drama and whatnot. So, you know, but for th- I just can't with this guy as, as the kids say, I well, just can't. And are you feeling like unsafe around him like he comes around and you probably feel like great i have to now well, spend uh, more mental mental energy to it's get gonna my job take done. more time to get the job done because right. he's gonna be like oh where where do you think that i'm like bro they're right fucking there is where they are right. now i get it that i was new you know a month two months ago yeah but this is beyond being new what you're talking about is like an Ill- inability to learn this is an inability to you know make progress if anything, you're yeah. starting on day one. It feels like Groundhog Day almost. You're living the first day over and over and over again. I mean, I don't. Well, I mean, even you can't tell the difference between tomato and cream of mushroom. And then, when I pointed out, he went through like some kind of glitch in the matrix. Okay, so you're clearly in a pickle. What are you gonna? What are you gonna do about it? How are you gonna get through the day? I'm in a pickle. It's hard to deal. It's <laughs> <laughs> an Eminem line. That's funny. What you, no, but seriously, like you've got to take care of yourself and keep yourself in a frame of mind where you can focus and manage all of your feelings um, and frustration and dealing with the fact that you can't control, you know, your your work environment when he's around. What are you going to do? I don't know. If I knew, then I would not be in the pickle I'm in. Well, I guess it's just one of those things you just have to kind of keep working at. And you'll learn a little bit more every day and you'll adapt and figure things out and try things and some things won't work. And, you know, check in with you next episode and see what where you're at. Is it illegal to punch someone in the face when you're working with them? Yes. Hmm. It's frowned upon? A little bit. Yeah. What if I pay someone to punch him in the face? Ooh! <laughs> no, come on. I mean, and but the thing is, is you don't know what he's... We never know what, what the other person's dealing with. Don't care. Well, and you don't have to, but holding space for someone is not the same thing as caring, right? Like, you can just create a space where you're like, dude, I don't know what you're dealing with, but um, wish you the best, and then just do your best to maintain your bubble you know and just know that we all deal with different we all deal with different things they're all they're all frustrating so one of the other guys i work with we were the three of us working together Mm -hmm. and a customer was coming past us and i was standing facing the other two guys so the new guy like cups his hand into the back of the other guy and moves him out of the way of the customer. Oh, wow. And the other guy's face was like, his eyes got really big. I'm sure. Because I had told him that he keeps touching me. Right. And he didn't say anything either. No, because you get stunned. That's the freeze mode. That's 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 freeze. You freeze momentarily. Like, I don't know what to say. There's only two reactions. Hey, man, you know, you can get all crazy about it but then that would create a scene in front of the customer so i'm I'm sure the seasoned employee didn't opt for that one and the only other thing to do is to freeze 
But it was just funny. He's like, why don't you just say something? So afterward, I was like, why didn't you just say something? <laughs> it's not as easy to do in the moment. So. so let me just ask a different question. So do you feel like when you're at work, you are operating under the mask? Absolutely. Okay. Do you feel like when you're, um, is that the only place that you really feel like you have to mask now? No. I mean, when I'm in public in general, I'm just like, I'm not, it's not like I'm walking around like blend in, blend in. I'm, I've conditioned myself to do it. Okay. That's fair. It's like when you're a kid and you don't swear around your parents and then you get around your friends and you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. And then you get around your friends and, or your parents and you, you know, you're like a perfect child. Well, I wasn't the perfect child, but I wasn't dropping F-bombs. Well, it's like a learned behavior. So all the people I work with, they all cuss all the time. Okay. That's got to be comfortable. Well, to the point where it makes me uncomfortable because there's customers around. Oh. To me, it's unprofessional. Well, that's true. You know. um, So I'm just thinking about the, in terms of the mask. So you keep it on when you're in social settings. That makes perfect sense. You have settings now where you are able to exist without your mask. I think so. Okay. I I, 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 it's not like I, I, know I don't it's not choose, binary, I don't choose how to turn it off and on. Okay. And I know it's not like black and white. In this case, it's, it's not binary, right? It's like, it's more gradual and it's probably gradient of experiences. But what I wanted to dive into for a bit is the process of how you were able to create an environment that you took your mask off in and, or a better way to say it is how did you what was your process to unmask? And I'm asking this because um, there's a pretty big wave happening right now for the next for the next wave of people that are in the self discovery process, right? The breakdown and the breakthrough. How to take the mask off and how unprepared they were for that process? Like, what did that look like for you? And how did you manage it? What did you experience? What are your thoughts? The process of unmasking. I don't have any thoughts. Okay, so do you notice... Ask a better question. <laughs> um. <laughs> you just turned into the Pillsbury Dough Girl. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good question. So d- were you conscious of the changes you made? No, but I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm, I don't mask at home. That's it. Okay. Did you ever feel like you used to mask at home? I don't know. No, I feel like I always tried to be myself at home. Okay, well, maybe, I mean, so that's good. So what do you... More so than anywhere else. That's why when I was a kid, I would go to my friends' houses and their moms and parents would always be like, wow, Blake is the perfect child. Oh. because you he's not like that at home. I gotcha. Because you had your mask on. Yeah. Yeah, and the mask is the perfect child. That's Declan. Yes. Declan does that. Um... Okay, so what do you perceive to be perfect then? Because now you're almost making a statement like the mask is unperfect and the and or the mask is perfect and unmasking is unperfect. Well, I don't believe in perfect, but I'm just telling you what they said. Oh no, I believe I agree with that because I don't believe there is no perfection. There is no perfect. There's a mindset. I don't really make jokes, you know, and if I do, they're usually very bad. Like cheesy. Okay, so let me put this, uh, let me give you a scenario. Maybe this is an easier way to do it. I have a client right now, um, and I'm working with a family. I'm incredibly proud of their journey, but they're in a tough place. They're in the breakdown stage, and my client's a teenager, 
Um, I am really glad I didn't ask what I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Because it's a teenager. Okay, good. Yeah, my client's a teenager. Um, I well, I I'm working directly with the teenager and the mom, and both are doing an incredible job, but they're in a difficult place. So the teenager, we we're at a point now where there's been so much breakdown um, that there's a there's a point where we're starting to look at the diagnoses that the teenager has collected don't like they fit but they don't fit and you know nothing like the mom is just sitting here going what is a diagnosis what's mental health what's what's emotional what's puberty like what how do I differentiate between all these things it just seems like every single thing that my child asks me asks us for that we we provide and we give and we acknowledge and we hear and we see and and then they come back and tell us that's not good enough or that's not what I wanted or I'm not being validated and there's constantly this tug and pull and, and everyone's chasing their tails and the amount of anger and frustration that's arisen in the household obviously is getting to a point of breakdown, like really volatile, dangerous trauma for everyone emotionally. And um, there's a set, there's a separation right now that's happening and it's all, you know, good and everything's finally in a place where there's a chance to analyze and, we're at this spot where it's becoming apparent to me that this teenager has probably spent a decade and a half mirroring um, someone that they looked up to. And now as a result, the mask that's been created is so elaborate that the requests the child is making of his, uh, of the parents are all based on the mask and not the individual person because I don't think the child knows what is what their actual needs are. They're more based on the mask. Weren't you going to ask me a question? I am. Thanks for listening. So at this point in time, it becomes really confusing to even know which needs you're meeting. Like, are you meeting the needs of the child? Or are you meeting the needs of the mask? Have you ever experienced something that where your mask was that ingrained that even you didn't know how to separate out your own needs from like the needs of your mask do you know what I mean I don't feel like I try to satisfy the needs of my mask I, but let's pretend you didn't know you were wearing one let's I didn't before okay so thank you you didn't know you were wearing a mask. But I did to a degree because I always knew it felt like a performance. So then when you made requests to have your individual needs met, did you feel like you have to perform those requests as well? Yeah. And then if, if I would even... Well, you know, you're... I mean, obviously, the the mask is me not saying anything to this dude at work. Okay. And then, like I said, the part of me that is me is not being satisfied because I'm not saying what I want to say, which is, you know, the second he's touched me, I'm just like, what the fuck are you thinking? Don't touch me. Okay. So what I heard you say that was really illuminating there is that you're not saying what you want to say. How often do you not say what you want to say? A lot. In okay, broadly, like not just in the situation with this guy, like in in my public life, 
Okay. And then if you, I know you said that you don't really feel like you had your mask on at home, but how often did you not say what you wanted to say with family? I mean, I have a, I do have, if you can believe this, I do have a filter. Really? Imagine what I don't say. (laughs) I'm not sure I can. Okay, but let's, okay, but let's add that depth. You do have a filter. So in the things that get filtered out is that. But then there are times when. I've said things where I'm like, well, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So your filter, is it like, is it really dialed in where you're just filtering out things that you think are going to hurt other people or that are super inappropriate or like, how does your filter work? So I try to be myself as much as possible around home, but I can't even do that because you get all butt hurt. Like by what? Because you're like, oh, you're talking too much about dirty stuff or whatever and then i'm just like all right so you're making me feel bad about what i think is funny okay so let's talk about that because if what i'm hearing that's one of the reasons that i wrote the song that i wrote because in a weird way i'm saying all the same stuff that i normally say right but because i'm saying it in a song and the song is like catchy and jokey right then and you're like digging it it's got a cool beat so it's just kind of funny that I'm saying all the same stuff and you're not like, oh, you're just thinking about one thing. But but it's different because I don't feel the energy of the attack of the words. You know, like when you're aiming all that stuff at me and it's not congruent with where I'm at or what I need, then it feels like something I have to combat. But that's what that's the point is that I'm putting it in the song and I'm saying it in the same exact fashion that I feel it normally. I'm not trying to say it to like make anyone feel uncomfortable. I'm just saying it because it's. What I popped in my head and I thought was funny at the time. And that's fair. And the fact that there's a song in the middle makes it feel less, you know, intense for me. Because where I struggle is that I don't want you to have to, you know, change who you are. But at the same time, your train of thought runs on a different frequency than mine. And so when you're saying all the things that you're saying, like, then I start to feel really uncomfortable. So at what point in time do I say something for this for my self-advocacy needs so that I don't sit there and, you know, start feeling really bad and gross and just I don't even know. Like, I just don't I don't resonate. I, I would do the same thing in a social setting. I would get up and walk away, but I wouldn't just get up and walk away from you because that's rude. So instead, I, I give you my feedback, which is I'm feeling uncomfortable. I don't like I don't spend all my time, you know, thinking about this or in this category. Where do you draw the line? Me? Where does anybody draw the line? I mean, I draw the line outside the door. Outside outside home is where I'm like, I'm like, it's hard for me to be myself. It's always been hard for me to be myself outside. And even more so now because I've been shut down so many times over the years. Yeah, I bet that's true. It's more learned behavior. But I mean, I feel like I get shut down at home too. Well, and that's, but part of that is because... I'm not trying to shut you down, but because I think we've been conditioned to feel like if what you're saying isn't accepted, then you're being shut down. Whereas what we're really saying is that's not where I'm at right now. We're just in two different places and we're not, our society still isn't really built for, to allow two people to be in two different spaces in the same space. Like everyone, they have to kind of be in the same place to be chill or have the same vibe to be chill. And that's a struggle when you have people who operate differently. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. Because it's not like I would ever ask you to come operate in my world. I, I don't think you'd like it. And I, you wouldn't ask me to operate in, exactly in your world because I, I couldn't. 
you know, that's one of the reasons why there's so much social judgment is because it's not like we're taught how to accept other people for who they are without that person fitting directly into the mold of what makes you comfortable. You know, like we're not taught how to be uncomfortable around other people and be okay. I think that's one of the things that's majorly missing and why so many of us feel isolated. You more, you know, obviously, um, especially in the autistic community and the ADHD community, feeling very isolated and judged, unaccepted, um, ridiculed. I mean, you're just not even allowed to be yourself. I, I'm watching several autistic adults tell their story and I'm really proud of them for for coming out and saying like this is my journey of taking the mask off and I used to feel like I had to think through all my feelings and feel them in my body but what I prefer to do is actually you know like spin or run or swim you know like moving your body and and they feel like oh I'm weird for doing that in my world in the therapeutic world that's what we encourage because um, emotions are, it's the energy of a feeling in motion. So actually moving your body to process emotion is more accurate. Sitting there and just feeling it and intellectualizing it and then making a decision is, a, is, is actually more of the learned behavior. Um, it's more of a hide it and ignore it type of a strategy that's developed over time um, and largely from the generations that weren't allowed to show their emotions. And so I'm actually really proud of everyone who's like, you know what, that's not how my body works and that's not how I'm going to do it. So I'm going to do what works. And it's more biologically accurate if you're feeling excited to spin or swing your arms or whatever you need to do. I mean, that's how the body was designed was to, to move. That's why we call it emotion. It's the energy of feelings in motion. Okay. Sorry, I got distracted by something else. I noticed. Um, I just, I thought of this old joke and it just, I don't know, it just popped in my head. Because you were saying something about examining someone or something. Is that what you said? What'd you say? Examining our feelings. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I just tell you this? old joke real quick sure because i think it's funny so um man goes in well so basically the joke is supposed to be that um i went to see my doctor the other day okay yeah for for a checkup and he told me i needed to stop masturbating okay and when i asked why he said because i'm trying to examine you <laughs> that's funny <laughs> perspective you never heard that before no i've never heard that before but no. i'm not Sorry, it's a great joke. That's funny. That's it. I just wanted to say that joke. <laughs> it's not mine, by the way. Like, I wish it was. It's a, it's so funny. But, um, so like with all these different things, what do you have any tips or advice or, you know, we're talking about how to be yourself, how to how to process your feelings. Well, like you said, I mean, or like we were talking about, like it's you know, I, uh, I want to be able to follow my own advice, which is to be my own best self-advocate you know be my self-advocate i guess yeah the only person that could be my own self-advocate is me but the, to be my own my best advocate to be uh for myself okay that's what i meant to say and so you know with with moments like the dude at work you know having the presence of mind to say you know hey 
I'd really appreciate it if you didn't touch me. Yeah. Or if you have other things that people are doing that, you know, within reason, like obviously if someone does something that's like really annoying, you have to kind of think about like socially and uh, what's the other word? Not just socially, but um, morally. Mm-hmm. If it's like, you know, because there are other people, like uh, there are autistic people out there that can be annoying. And I'm sure that I'm one of them at times. How much of this process evolve, involves you asking yourself about your own triggers? I, like I, don't, we I, don't, I don't ask myself these things. I <clears throat> I just experience what I experience in the moment. Okay, so we spend a lot of time, of course, acknowledging that you're having an experience, a thought, an emotion all at once, and then your reaction gets the next amount of focus, right? Like, how do I respond? But that's still an external expression. So the piece that happens in the middle that often gets missed is whatever's triggering you. So what about that situation is triggering you? Because when you go back to the psychology and the mirror and the when you go back to the psychology of triggers and emotional triggers for something in your environment to bother you it is it that's usually what that means i'll give you an example i think i know what you're saying okay because i'm so when i'm pushing uh one of the floats which it's just a cart that has uh a melange it's like a moving pallet well a a cart i think people know what a cart is sure you know it's four wheels flat surface and you put grocery items on it. And we often have to put a plastic bag on one end of the cart to catch all the plastic that we recycle. Sure. You know, for the from the outer materials as well as the you know, cardboard and so, so forth. So uh, when I push the cart, I always spin it around so that the bag is on the opposite side because I don't want the bag to touch me. Fair point. I have control over the bag. Fair. So if the bag touches me, I'm like, oh, that's, I got to turn the cart around. Right. Now, I have no control over this guy touching me, and I don't like being touched. Okay. Is that not explained well? It's explained very well. So, the trigger is that you don't like being touched. Yes. Okay, so in, so. And I I don't, well, if he was a, no offense, but if he was like a big-breasted, beautiful woman, uh no 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 I'm gonna call BS on this because even when I accidentally brush up next to you and touch you you're like hey stop knocking me over I'm like knocking you over I'm just, let me let me finish let me finish and I am a big breasted woman so I don't think that logic applies am I just not cute enough is he cuter than me who's he whoever your guy no I said a big breasted beautiful woman oh so I'm not as beautiful as the one in your I, mean, I have to be like as pretty as her to rub up against you accidentally and not like let me finish my sentence you're not walking up and bumping your boobs into me i it happens all the time by accident well maybe you could do it on purpose a little bit more often no okay (laughs) i'm saying if someone he's not accidentally patting me on the back oh i understand i understand it wasn't like he bumped into me and i was like hey what the fuck and he was like oh sorry Okay, but you don't like being... Hey, buddy, pat, pat, pat. I don't like that shit. But you're hypersensitive to being bumped into as well. My point was, in a perfect world, he'd have big breasts. Oh, and be cute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so so I just had this... I never got to finish that thought. You just kept saying what you thought I was going to say. Oh, you're right. Go ahead. 
I'm saying if uh, like if uh, if it was an attractive woman that I worked with that was like that touched my arm or something to like oh excuse me I would have been like hey you know at least I would like to think I would but I probably would have been like what the fuck was that about right but it wouldn't have bothered me as much as it just being some dude doing it and if it was a woman that was annoying and big breasts or not I just like talking about big breasts um then I would be annoyed by that as well. Okay. And that's fair because really the annoyance is touch. Yes. These other conditions where you're like, well, if it was kind of this, then I'd be a little bit less annoyed because other yeah, senses it'd be would like, be soothed. Oh, well, at least she has big boobs. Yeah. Other senses would be soothed. So uh, otherwise it's just like, I don't like being touched. So I just had this six week fight with Declan's school and that, which he is no longer in. And right. that's a whole thing we've never even talked about, but it's part of the reason we've been dealing with life and not been able to record. Um, but now that that's resolved, he's at home. And one of the biggest arguments that we were in was whether or not the school had the ability to identify a moment of emotional dysregulation for Declan because his, their job, um, their autism specialists, their job was to identify the moments of emotional dysregulation, stop, help him identify what he's feeling help him name what he's feeling, help him process what he's feeling and figure out a process that works for Declan to do it. Cause it's very different. Like we can, we can say those steps, but what those steps look like and feel like are individual for everyone. So their job was to help him create that process. And so the, and, and we were doing the same at home and our job, like we met every week to collaborate and, and, and make sure we were on the same page of how we were helping him develop these skills. But instead of doing that on their end, they just started labeling him as avoidant and protesting. And it was becoming a barrier to learning all these fancy fucking words. And it really pissed me off because I was like, you're I'm like, wait, how are you missing what's happening right now? Because autism and neurodivergence in general processes so much more data in the moment than you get than you get credit for. And especially when you have someone who's empathic, like Declan is, and many of you are, where you, um, you, where many of us, we feel everything. So you're talking about that massive amount of emotional data coming in and flooding the brain at once, and you've got to follow that process, name what you're feeling, you know, like even feel what you're feeling, and then name it, and then decide what you're going to do about it in order to resolve it. And you've got a split second to do it with a mind that doesn't work in a split second, at least not in that kind of a processing way. I mean, we can react in a split second, but we don't process in a split second usually. Before they were slapping him with like these titles and saying he wasn't cooperating. And I'm like, but your job is to slow the moment down. And figure out how to help him through each of those steps. And they didn't do it. And I was like, well, I don't, trust you to teach him and I don't want you to become his inner voice that starts guiding how he handles that process as he grows up to be a teenager and an adult so we pulled him out but what I'm hearing you say as we're talking about this very same process is that in the moment that you're being touched which is really what the trigger is you're also flooded with all this input it's not just the touching it's also like the uh the thought about what would compel you or impel you to to touch another person 
that you don't really know very well. Like so you're trying to what, figure unsolicited out. touch. Right. Which is difficult for you to do because you're trying to get in and figure out how this behavior became part of his automatic habits, which at this point he's, he's not, not doing it to everybody else. He did it to the other guy that one time to move him out of the way, but he's not patting everyone on the back. You know what I'm saying? Right. But this is where I really hope that our, our listeners can jump in because I believe that based on the social structures that I have researched of the older generations that are now in their fifties and sixties, that when someone wanted to connect with you, and they were trying to create a social, a social like bridge that a little bit of like very, I don't even know how you, um, it's just external physical touch was like on an elbow or on a shoulder or, you know, in the little bit of your back to like, that was all considered part of the social dance back then, as I understand it, because I worked with a lot of people um, that were in that generation I had a lot of benefit of learning from them early in my career and that was a big part of how the social um, dance went I mean even in especially in more so in the work environment it was seen as polite it was seen as um, intentional it was seen as like oh I see I see you I'm connecting with you and um, it was this whole nonverbal part. Now, we've since decided that that touch could be misunderstood and even, you know, abusively delivered. And so we've, we've taken that piece out. But you'd have to know that it got taken out to update. You see what I'm saying? Like, it was part of what he probably learned as the nonverbal aspect of his communication style. Well, I don't like it. And that's fair. But in the moment, so... How comfortable do you feel like saying, how comfortable do you feel saying, hey, I know you don't mean anything by it, but I really don't like to be touched. I don't. I don't. I want him to just stop. But how is he supposed to know? Punch to the face. How are you supposed to, like you said, you're trying to be your best self advocate. Fit be. <laughs> but you're talking about a behavior that for him is now non-conscious. Didn't realize we had that kind of relationship and then run my fingers through his hair and grab his wiener. But that's not how he means it. He's not meaning it to be inappropriate. He has no idea that it even, he might not even know that it's inappropriate at this point in time because when he was taught the dance, he was taught that this is how you develop a relationship with someone, even if it's just peer to peer. Yeah. I don't want him peeing anywhere near me. The way your brain hears words is funny. Peer to peer. Yeah, we're both peers. We right, both but you have the right and an and the obligation to yourself that if you're if your bubble is being violated because you don't feel comfortable with what used to be, it doesn't even matter what it doesn't even matter why he does it. I feel like you just keep making excuses for this guy. No, of just, I don't care what I know. I, you're I'm I think I understand why he's doing it, but the point is that regardless of why he's doing it, your need to <clears throat> remove the suffering from your experience remains your obligation. Like that's on you to do that for yourself. No one else is going to be able to do that for you or should. That's for you to do. Like, hey dude, I know you don't mean I'm anything. I'm afraid by that it. I'm not going to be able to do it in a way that's that's politically correct. But he it's going to be like it was when I was in high school where I was like, hey, bro, you touch my girlfriend again. I'm going to punch you in the fucking head. OK, but that's when anger takes over. What if you were able to preconceive? Because in the moment when he touches me, I don't have I'm, I'm like, walk away. You're going to punch this old man in the face. 
Right, but you're spending a lot of time away from work thinking about it because you're feeling you're... Well, we're talking about it right now. I know, and anytime you you mention it again, but I'm just saying, if you put that same effort into deciding what to say the next time he says it, you, you would... Says what? Sorry, the next time he does that, then you would basically be prepared for the situation by giving you... I thought I was prepared, and then he didn't do it, and then like all of a sudden out of nowhere I was trying to leave, and then he like, you know, cut my butt cheek. Did he really? No, I'm saying like, but that's, it's a violation. Yeah, I'm, I hear you. I look, it's a tricky situation and. The, Just agree with me so we can move on. No, I do agree with you. And I think, but the, my problem, my concern for you is that the longer you go without saying things, the more you're adapting to the feeling of suffering when he does it and not vocalizing your needs and so you're just going to you're going to adapt to the problem instead of solving it and the problem's going to get worse and worse and and we already know that your body is conditioned to suffer. We know that when your body starts feeling suffering, it's familiar and you just end up suffering and more suffering and suffering more instead of fixing it. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm bringing it up cuz I don't want this to become part of what makes you habitually suffer. You just call me a bitch? Yeah. I guess I did. You said habitually. I guess I did. All right. I see how it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good place to end the episode. Agreed. We solved the world's problems this time? <laughs> I don't know, but... Maybe next time. I Ooh, mean, maybe that's how we should end every episode. Did we solve the world's problems this time? No, maybe next time. <laughs> We're going to try. Uh, yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, so I've been working on a lot of music, so we'll see what I end up using... If you hear lyrics, that's the song. If you don't, <laughs> it could be the song without the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, or something else. We'll see. But uh, I'm Blake. I'm Rochelle. And we will be back. Cue the music. <laughs>